1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: It's the in It's the fighting. Clock! It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock! Oh, that was really interesting, mate, yeah. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Extra Inch Podcast. My name is Wendy and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Good evening Wendy. And our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello. And you've just worked me up into a frenzy by talking about Game of Thrones and I feel <laughs> I feel ready to podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna go at this with full energy. I've had the worst day at work that I've had in I would say three years. Um and I was like I put I put you guys up, like, we were meant to record an hour ago and I was like, guys I, I can't I can't record just now. I, I need to have a I need to have a beer. Um I got home. <laughs> And I was contemplating cancelling, but then you riled me up by getting me onto the subject of Game of Thrones, and now I'm I'm fully in the mood for some Tottenham podcasting. Kieran
1: Trippier is in for it right now. Yeah, oh, he is going <laughs> to
0: get it. He is going to get it. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Um, what we're going to do is talk a little bit about the Premier League season as a whole and sort of look at how our players did on a kind of position-by-position basis in a sort of generalised way. And hopefully that will spark some interesting discussion about which players we want to keep, which players we could see leaving, and and who we we might bring in to replace them. Um, But we start off with some positivity. So Bardi's done some... uh some prep work for this, and he's written here, the Premier League season is over and four consecutive top four finishes in the top flight is our best run since a run of five between 1959-60 and 1963-64. That's actually remarkably impressive and, and just sort of shows how far we've grown as a club under Pochettino and, you know, um, how how incredible he is as a manager, uh, given what we know about the season. And we've spoken numerous times about all the um, issues that Pochettino has faced this year. Um, so let's, let's just go straight into it and look back at this season. Um, And we'll start off with the goalkeepers. So, it's been a funny season for Hugo Lloris. Obviously, off-the-pitch issues have been um, a a main factor in that, in terms of his uh, drink driving and the fallouts of that and how it was handled by Pochettino in the press. Um... And we've kind of we've gone in on Hugo a couple of times, particularly Bardi and I. But where are you now with him, Bardi? How how do you feel about him going forward? How do you feel like he ended the season? And um, what what sort of grade would you give his season overall?
2: Yeah, you know, I, at the start of the season, I I did go in hard on him a few times, but there's been there's been a, a shift in him, and I think. As the season wore on, he seemed to become a bit more dependable, and I don't know whether it's just I relaxed and I didn't care as much anymore about him, and I kind of written him off. But I thought his kicking improved, um, I thought he, I thought he did okay. And before I was like, we need to get rid of him, but now I can kind of see us persevering with Hugo at least for another two years. I think, I think he's kind of redeemed himself, although his kind of behavior off the pitch has been bad. On the pitch, I think he's he's stabilised and his
0: deterioration has kind of plateaued a bit. And Nathan, you were always of the opinion that there are bigger things to worry about than Hugo Lloris. Is that kind of where you are still?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And certainly, like, he's ended the season well, um, which sort of puts any worries out of mind. Like, he's still not great with his feet, but it's not the biggest priority in the world. I think... Yeah, so the 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 direction and the narrative of his season that he's sort of had a really bad period he's come through. But like it might just be and this is very sort of stats nerdy, it might just be by chance, it might just be by variance that if a goalkeeper has a handful of mistakes in a season he has an okay season. If he has all of those in the space of a couple of months he looks really bad. But that might just, you know, that might not be anything to do with his own decision making or his own mentality or anything else. that might just be the way it's gone. But yeah, uh, looking at it it's sort of more overall it's it's definitely not a priority.
2: Yeah, I, I think with I think with goalkeepers when they hit a certain age, when they hit kind of Hugo's age, there's um, there's like a path that happens to them. They either completely drop off the cliff, and then they're, they're useless, like someone like Casillas who. Who's can no longer? I mean, poor guy. Shit, I know. I know he had a heart attack and stuff, and he's going through some hard times off the field. But he, his form did drop off the cliff when he hit the, that kind of age. Whereas goalkeepers like Cech and Buffon were able to kind of adapt themselves and then continue for another five, six years. And I have faith that Hugo might be on that kind of Czech and Buffon line lineage and be able, and be all right heading into his mid-thirties.
1: I'm impressed that you managed to find a non-Italian uh, example to partner Buffon there, which is what you're desperate to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you went with check i mean um I, the other thing i'd say about hugo is given that we're likely to lose toby out of eld, i think it, it would kind of be it, it It would be silly it would be silly to get rid of hugo in the same uh, summer as toby um we need some stability back there and given that he's 32 he won't be 33 until december surely it's the kind of prime age to Get still enjoy a couple more years with Hugo, whilst finding a long term replacement in those two years, and and that becoming mm-hmm. a bit of a project. I think that that will probably hope, hopefully work out well. Um, vorm, who's thirty-five and out of contract in the summer, looks surely likely to leave. Are we agreed on that?
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah. vorm had he had a poor, he had a poor season. He, I, I mean, he didn't play much. But then after the the Inter game, really, that was him done for. And as soon as, um, yeah, he hasn't played a minute since. Well, I think he played. Um, he played a couple minutes when Hugo got sent off against PSV, and that's it for him. I can. He's pretty much written off. He seems to be a nice kind of cheerleader in the background, but um, yeah, he's done.
1: I uh, I've always been sort of a lot more fond of Vaughn than most first fans, but like once you become third choice and you're old and you're not uh, counting as homegrown, you just have no value at all, basically.
0: Right. Yeah. And you know, Gazanigo in some senses has had a bit of a breakthrough season, um, in in the sense that he was trusted to actually play some matches and didn't disgrace himself. I think he he wasn't he he had a good start. Um, he grew in <laughs> confidence, and then he had a bit of a wobble in a couple of games. But ultimately, he's a, he's a safe backup. I think. I think it's safe to say, you know, he's he's fine as a backup, and I've got no concerns about him generally. Um, where are you with Gazaniga, Nathan?
1: Um, I th- I think there's a view of him that he's sort of a young prospect. And, you know, he's getting game time and he's coming through. And like you said, he's had a breakthrough season. But I, I have a hard time seeing him that way. I'm not really, like, excited by him. I don't think he's that young, even for a keeper. Hang on, let me he's just... 27. He's okay, 27. Okay, he's 27. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's sort of the beginning of a peak age for a keeper. Like, I... Yeah, I don't really see him as, like, someone who's, like, a long-term replacement for Larice kind of thing. No. Um, yeah, I think he's a decent squad option for all means. And, you know, he's played well when we've needed him. Um, but I don't think he's, like, the keeper of the future by any means.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, let's assume then that we go into next season with Lloris and Gazaniga still part of the squad. And I would like to think that we then fill up the third goalkeeping spot with one of our kind of homegrown youngsters, because, you know, like you said about Vaughan there... If you're not homegrown and you're third choice, what's the point, you know? So hopefully uh, Alfie Whiteman or Brandon Austin can can take on the mantle of being the third third choice goalkeeper and perhaps even get some minutes in the cup next year. Who knows? Um, so let's move on to the defence and we'll start off with the centre backs uh, in a way that's the easy the easy options starting off the centre backs because I mean ultimately we'd like to hold on to all four, wouldn't we? Alderweireld, Tongan, Davinson, Sanchez, and, and Juan Foyth. I think if we could hold on to all four, that'd be great. The likelihood is though that we're going to lose. We're gonna lose Alderweireld. Are we all agreed on that? We
1: think he's gonna go. I not hundred percent. Sorry, buddy. I I wouldn't like bet my life on it. And why is that? Just because we've entered, because well, partly because his performance have kept up through the season, which at least suggested like a degree of professionality He's not like given up on the club. um I don't know; it, it's stupid to read into, but like on social media and everything, he always you know keeps up appearances, speaks positive of the club, and I think that I think he's expecting clubs to come in for him in a way that they might not. And I think you know, so if a club were going to spend a stupidly high amount of money to buy uh, is he twenty nine or now thirty year old centre back, then it would be United. And I I think even United are giving up on him so he might go oh no one's interested I guess I'll sign a new contract I I, I wouldn't rule that out anyway
0: yeah I mean I think every club should be looking at him he's he's 30 yeah but um what is it 25 million release clause 30 million something like that yeah which for a player as good as he is, and I think I do think he's the best defender I've ever seen at Spurs. Yep. Um, I think any team should just go for it. Man City should go for it. You know, they'll get three years out of him and, and he'll be their best centre back. So why would they not do that? But I'd love to I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to think that he could stick about for another year. That'd be that'd be wonderful. Um, Buddy, you, you are a big Davinson Sanchez fan. Yeah, um, I know he's had a, he's had a kind of mixed season.
2: I think it's possibly the second season syndrome, but I think it's also a combination of some long hard years of playing football, where he's kind of pretty much for three or four years consistently been playing without a break, and he's he's moved through um, different standards of football, different levels, different competitions, and he I wouldn't say he's had a step backwards. But maybe I think he outperformed in his first year. He was given a lot of opportunity because of Alderweireld injuries and Vertonghen injuries. So he played a lot and he, he did more than we expected. Um, I fully believe he'll stay next season I think there's still a lot to come from him and you know it would be ridiculous to to move him on at this stage he's he's still so young and and still got so many kind of the essential traits to be a good defender
0: yeah absolutely and I think if anyone's sort of saying now that he's not good enough then they need to revisit Pochettino's history of coaching because let's not write off any players let alone one who's sort of had semi-proven himself he had a really good first year I thought as a young player in England playing his, his first year in the Premier League um, and I thought he was fine this this, pre- this season, just gone off. He wasn't amazing, but he wasn't terrible. He was just sort of fine. And I think he'd do fine again next year. Um, and that brings us to Juan Foyth, who, Nathan, you, you really like.
1: Yeah, I've been big on him um, when I was watching his footage over in Argentina. Yeah, a really technical player. Obviously, he's still got quite a few mistakes in him and he's eyeing them out. And, <clears throat> and he's developing physically. Um yeah, I I I I don't really want to see him sort of starting um most games next season. I th- I don't think that's his level yet, which means that if we do lose out of Verrells, then um maybe we need someone else in there because I think it's a little early for him. I you know, I you want to get that um stage where he's the fourth choice center back, which means he will occasionally get games, especially if we move to playing three at the back again, which I think we should and I do think we'll favor Davinson playing more three at the back games. Um mm. But yeah, I don't think we want to be in a position where he's, he's starting most games.
0: And I think we have to assume that Jan Vertonghen is the mainstay of our backline next season, right? He's, he's had another very, very good season. Um, exceptional performance in the Champions League, left wing back, which just surprised everyone, but is one of the performances of the season, I think, for Spurs. Um, and with Alderweireld potentially going, he's going to become even more vital and will be a sort of a leadership figure at the back there. So are we saying, Bardi, that we need one more center back in in your eyes
2: yeah i I mean Vertongan's now thirty two he's been amazing. I would like us to go out and sign a like a number one center back and then use Vertongan not sparingly but you know as a kind of rotation option, try and build for the future because i, I think that's I think the Aldeviro Vatongan partnership. I don't know. I've just got this gut feeling that this might be the kind of peak we might have seen the the highest performance between those two, and it's only going to be down. So I think we need to manage that carefully and really start focusing now on
0: what's coming next. He he is fit though, Vatanen, isn't he? He's a very fit guy. He he strikes me as a player who could potentially carry on playing for another couple of years at the highest level um, into his well into his thirties, uh, which which might be a, a great thing for us. Um, let's talk a little bit about fullbacks, and this is the this is the section where we go a bit quiet and we ponder what on earth we do. Um, we've got ourselves into a right old mess with our fullbacks. So we have five of them: three of them are right backs, two of them are left backs. And of those, I mean, we probably know that one of them's good enough, and we're not sure on the rest. Is that a, is that a fair? summation
1: even that one is a little complicated because yeah. and look he's been really good recently and we're so glad to have him performing that level again I know that body adores him um but like he's been a bit iffy and been a bit unsure and his relationship with Pochino is maybe a bit unsure I think we're probably over that and we can probably just look at him and simplify the fullback issue and say Danny Rose is the the, the keep the the locked on yeah. keep um but yeah even Rose is a little sort of slightly iffy.
0: And I guess the other thing is he's, he holds value. So, you know, knowing that we do need a long term first choice left back, if we get a good offer for Rose, I, I'm not against selling him. I I do like I, I I do. I really like the way he's ended the season and that's been great. But if he can't play two games a week, which we've kind of established that is, is challenging for him to play two games a week, we're going to be playing two games a week. We need a player who, if, caught, if needed, to, to be reliable enough to do that can manage it and I, I don't think he can um okay so we've spoken about rose <laughs> ben davis anyone
2: <laughs> um I'd, I'd like to talk a bit about ben davis i think um i think he's probably the left back we'll get rid of i just don't see he doesn't have the flexibility of rose who can play as a fullback as, and as a wingback he doesn't really offer us anything as a as an attacking outlet really um you wouldn't even consider him to be a kind of a defensive fullback that you put that you play when you're against um, a better against a better winger, so I think we'll probably see him moving on. And I don't think he he even counts as homegrown in the Champions League nope. squad,
0: so he's a he's a bit of a weight to carry next year as well. I do agree with that, the fact that he's a bit of a weight to carry. But I also feel like Pochettino likes him. He's a you know, he gets called Gentle Ben. He's a gentle character. He just sort of comes in, humbly does his job, and then and then fucks off back to the reserves that don't exist. Um, he's he's kind of a harmless. What's the harm in having him kind of guy, no? And and the fact that he can play left centre back, if we do revert to a back three next year, could be quite useful. Nathan, where where do you think it's worth hanging on to Davis?
1: I think that we want to be looking at replacing left back once we've got our other priorities done. And if you're, and if you buy a left back, you have to get rid of a left back. And if you have to get rid of one, it's going to be Davies. like, he's, he's been good for us. We, you know, um, he, he's certainly been good enough to be a second choice left back. Um, But uh, eventually we want to improve there.
0: Yeah, I think that's very fair. So let's talk about right back. Um, And I I just despair at the mess we've got ourselves into at right back. So my big issue is that we've not properly blooded Walker Peters still. So we don't really know what Walker (laughs) Peters is. We don't... We don't have enough information about Kyle Walker Peters to know if he's a, if he's a realistic uh, right back for for Tottenham. So and, and he's you know he's 22 now. He needs to be playing football. I think he leaves this. I do. I think he leaves this summer. And I don't blame. I don't blame him for doing so. Um Aurier is. Not a £24 million right-back, but he is a £24 million right-back. And Kieran Trippier had the most disastrous season. I mean, after the previous year he'd had, where expectations were raised, people were sort of starting to say he's actually a good right-back. I don't think anyone anticipated just how bad it could go for him. He was horrific this year. He was our worst player this, this, um, this last year. Um, Bardi, what do we do with this? What do we do with our right-back situation? We I just had reset.
1: a well.
2: I just had a flashback to being a, a young boy coming home from school with a letter from the teachers, giving it to my mum and just being <laughs> <laughs> properly told off. <laughs> That's what you sounded like. And to be fair, to be fair, Mister Miller, I I kind of I kind <laughs> finally of finally the respect you. I deserve. <laughs> I kind of agree with you. I think um, all three have been wasted in some way or another, and I think it's time just to put them all in the taxi and send them home.
0: But other takers? Are we realistically? Are we realistically going to get rid of all three and, and get two new right backs in? Yeah, someone will buy them.
1: I don't think you want to replace all three at the same time. I think that's dangerous. I think that we have to keep one of Warrior and Trippia and bring one new right back in. And I think we have to keep one. I would keep Trippia. Sorry, Wendy. Um, but you don't want to be... If you bring in a new right back and they take a long time to embed or they don't work out at all, you do not want to be reliant on Sergi Aurea on a regular basis. <laughs> um, so I think that we try and move Warrior on, bring someone else in and make Kirin Tripp- Trippier second choice again.
2: Yeah, Marseille Marseille will buy Oria. They they seem to like our kind of cast off players. They'll buy him. I mean, the thing is,
0: he did have some okay games this year. He really he he looked a lot better. But he still hasn't done enough to fully convince me. <laughs> I don't know. I just find the whole right-back situation so disappointing and frustrating. But, okay, so, yeah, I think Nathan's probably realistically right that we'll end up keeping one out of three, and it'll probably be Kieran Trippier, depending on the offers we we achieve for them, I suppose. Um, we, we move into midfield, uh, and... Again, we, we have a, a, a bit of a dilemma there because we have a lot of players and we don't really, we either don't have enough information on them to know if they're viable squad members or we, or they're not good enough. So let, let's start with Victor Wanyama, um, who sort of proved his fitness towards the end of the season, mm. but he, not in a convincing way. <laughs> he looks, he looks a fraction of the player that he did, you know, at his peak. Bardi, how do you feel about Wanyama at this point?
2: if um if we kept wanyama he would solely be as a kind of um substitute to bring on to try and seal things off like he did um there was a few games i can't remember uh, maybe i think it was man city at home he he came on the pitch um, last 10-15 minutes to kind of close, close it all down mm. I don't think as a starting player he's got it anymore I mean he lasted 45 minutes in the Champions League and then he was seen celebrating but hobbling I don't think he's got it in, in him anymore and he's he's he'll go
0: And um, Yeah we can't afford to have players no. that are just kind of fodder for bringing on the last 10 minutes it's, he's, he's unreliable and we, we, we need to get rid but again Nathan are there going to be any takers for Wanyama?
1: Yes, and as we sort of mentioned this on the last episode or the one before, maybe, that, that because he's put in some decent performances recently and because he's managed to complete some games recently, we can sort of talk him up and act like he's back and then sell him.
2: I mean, he's, he's, he's 27. He's still got years in him if he can stay fit. So for, for a mid-level Premier League team who's playing realistically one game a, one game a week, I think, he's, I think he's a good option there for somebody.
0: Okay, then we have your favourite body, Eric Dyer.
2: Yeah um we'll keep him because it's just we, we will I just don't see I I think Pochettino likes him but he's got a big decision to make and I don't think he can no, he can no longer continue this kind of dream that he's a centre midfielder he's not it's gone it's finished for him he had he was given an opportunity he did okay but I think Wanyama carried him a lot I think he now either has to knuckle down and focus on becoming a centre back which I think he's a little bit too rash for or realise he has to take a step down this is this levels are too high for him as centre midfield so I think there's a possibility for him to work as a centre back at Tottenham as a as a squad filler but as a centre midfielder, Spurs is done.
0: And how about you, Nathan? Are you happy with the idea of Dyer being a bit of a kind of, I don't know, John O'Shea utility man in our squad?
1: Yeah, I mean, essentially that's his, his best argument for remaining in the squad is that he can sort of do a job in various places. Um, I would um, see if United still want to buy him for £50 million, pounds, but... Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, again, like with the right back situation, you've got Wanyama and you've got Dyer. You don't really want to kick both out in the same window and have to bring two defensive midfielders in. So you, you get rid of one, you get rid of Wanyama. We keep Dyer for a little while longer and maybe readdress his situation next season. Hmm. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues
0: We come on to Harry Winks, who was having a really promising season until injury hit again and you know, his ankles seem to be made of glass. Uh he's he's a quality young player and I think there's a lot to admire in Winks's game. There's there's some there's some work to do still, he's not perfect, but I really like Harry Winks a lot and I just wish that he could have a season without injury so we can kinda of hang our hat on him and say, Yeah, he's he's the guy in Central Midfield that will play every game and, and be one of our main men. Um Bardi, you he grew on you a lot this season, right? Yeah, if it wasn't for
2: Sissoko, he would have been my most improved player. I think he's been brilliant. Um, and I don't think it's actually his ankle that's caused him this injury. He, I think it's called a sheath on his hernia or something. It's, it sounds, it makes me. I don't know, it always makes me think of sex whenever I hear the word sheath, but um, it's, it's it's his sheath that's injured. But I love him. I think he's been great and
0: definitely keep him. And before we talk about Sissoko, we'll just briefly mention Donovan Skip, who, um, who we saw this season. We didn't see a great deal of him, but um, Nathan, did you like what you saw
1: in Skip? I did like what I saw of him, but then... His um absence was very noted. So when he had he had he played a league game, played a couple of games a cup games around that time too, he came on as a sub and I thought, okay, yeah, he's he's decent. You know, I wasn't getting hugely excited about him. And then, you know, when we've had to play a broken Wanyama and, and skip has been available, that's been a bit questionable. Um certainly you you're not really considering him as as uh, a reliable member of the first team going into next season but you keep him for now yeah he, I, I'd sorry. like
2: to sorry I'd like to say something on skip I, I was at the Everton game for the final game of the season and perhaps it's not the best place to judge a player but I thought he looked um, more composed I thought he looked bigger and I kind of I like I like the cut of his jib he's, he's, he's growing on me I don't know whether that's you Windy getting into my head but I I kind of like him and I hope um, he gets more game time next year
0: and I think that's it I think he's unusual career path in the sense that he's just being slowly brought in and developed from such a young age, stands him in good stead. Um, I'd like to think that he kind of doubles the number of minutes he's had this season next year, and then we go from there. Um, if he's not going to get those opportunities, then for God's sake, send him out on loan, because what we don't want to do is let him fester in the kind of between Premier League two and Premier League realm that Kyle Walker Peters has been in for these past two years. That that would not be good for anyone. Um, let's go Sissoko then. I mean, he was a joke to me. He was genuinely... I, I thought he was the worst signing we've ever made. I thought he was a terrible footballer. I was sort of um translating his performances against his whole career and saying everyone's always been wrong about him. How, how can it be otherwise? He's just terrible. And then he suddenly became really good <laughs> and useful and gelled the whole squad. He's loved by everyone. Everyone wants to talk about him all the time. He's... He stands up for his teammates on the pitch. He's single-handedly got us through a couple of games. And he's been the constant in our, in our central midfield, which has been otherwise very much broken. Now, I still don't think he's anything like the perfect player. I don't think he ever will be. He's he's not the, you know, silkiest on the ball. His dribbling style is, is messy, to say the least. Technically, he's a bit clumsy, but he's got he's got those kind of intangible qualities that make him such a a key component. And he, I have to say, this year we wouldn't have done anything like what we have done if we didn't have Sosoko. Bardi, you you are a big fan. Talk to us about Mister Sissoko.
2: He's, uh, he, he's a he's he's a masterful central midfielder. I mean, he it it doesn't make doesn't make any sense because his his passing is perhaps below average. But what he does, he just he's like um he's like Gattuso on on steroids. He's just. Everywhere, and he he's breaking up the plays, filling spaces, he's covering for Trippier. I mean, can you imagine the season Trippier would have had if it hadn't been for Sissoko? He's been incredible, and he changed he changed the Champions League semi final since he came into the team properly in the Premier League towards the back end of last year. He's been fantastic, and there was that Christmas period where. um him and Winks were playing week in, week out. And I think we went on a decent run as well. For me, he was my player this season. I thought he was, I thought the story, I mean, we were talking about Game of Thrones. His, his story arc is, is incredible. I mean, I, I really love him. I hope he stays. A while ago, I would have said cash him in. But I think he he needs to stay because he's he's a beautiful footballer.
0: Nathan. I put this to you (laughs) a club in China I was going to name a Chinese club but I don't actually know the names of any Chinese clubs a club in China offers us 30 million for Musi Sissoko for 29 year old Musi Sissoko this summer we signed Tangai and Dombelli. what do we do
1: yeah I would absolutely sell Musi Sissoko and I don't think that like I don't want that to be misread that's not me sort of holding the same view on Sissoko that I used to you know we have to acknowledge the season he's had um, and the way he's performed Forms and and, and uh, the story of the season and all of that. Um, he he definitely has a value. I wouldn't sell him for ten million. I don't know if I'd sell him for twenty million. You know, he he has a, a value to us. He's had a huge value to us this season. Hopefully, he will have much less value to us next season because we'll have bought a legitimate midfield. I don't want to undermine him, um, but like <sighs> he's still not. He's still not. He's still not what we want. Um,
2: I could. I completely agree with everything Nathan has said, but I think as a squad option, we're not gonna we're not gonna go out and buy a, a squad player who's as robust and sure. doesn't get injured or offers us what I mean his his spirit and his everything doesn't complain. I don't think we can go out and find a player like that. And as Spurs, we're not signing anybody really. I think it's essential we
0: keep hold of someone like him. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. I think that's that's totally fair. I mean, it would be really, really hard to turn down such a big bid for a player who's probably past his peak um, and, and for whom we... We clearly could upgrade on if we if we sign someone for a change. Um, but you do you do sort of feel I know this is crazy, but he's almost worth keeping around just to keep the squad happy. He's so pop, he's such a popular character clearly within the squad. Plus, he can cover a couple of positions. He can play central midfield. He can play on the right. He can play in the three man midfield. And quite frankly, I'd rather have him, have him as a, a right wing back than any of our. Uh, other options there, so I th- I think we keep him, and I think um, I think he becomes a less important player next year, but I still think he's a good squad option. We'll move into the attacking midfielders. Um, there's quite a lot to talk about here. I think we'll start off with Ericsson, because that's probably the easiest one. Let's let's just throw it out there. He's he's leaving, right, Bardi?
2: Uh, uh yeah, probably. I don't want him to, uh, but yes, probably.
1: Nathan, I. Like with Adevero, but even you're probably more confident that Eriksson would stay than Adevero. I definitely don't think we'll kick both of them, but um, I've got some help for Ericsson. Maybe that's just delusion because like I am terrified of the prospects of losing him.
2: I yeah. think, um, I think Eriksson comes down to more not him wanting to leave, but who comes in for him. I think there's only a couple of clubs that he would consider leaving for, and it's whether or not he fits in their plans. Yeah, if he if we get. If we get close to August and none of those clubs have made a move, I fully expect him to sit down and sign a new contract.
0: Yeah, for me, he's um, Ericsson's our most underrated player, I think, I wish he didn't take free kicks and I wish he didn't take corners because if he didn't then I think people would appreciate him more Um, I think he's a wonderful, wonderful player who runs 12 kilometres every match which is just insane and my god will we miss him when he eventually leaves Um, but let's talk about some of the players who might end up replacing him so we saw a bit of an evolution of Delhi this season um, from a second striker who sometimes played on the left to a player who played as an 8 quite regularly. Buddy what did you make of Delhi's season which in some Quarters has been criticised. Um,
2: I don't think the the eight role kind of suits him. I, th- I think what what we saw in in the Champions League and in the later Premier League games is the. He's more effective the closer he is to the opposition goal. Uh, I don't really want to see him playing deeper because I don't, I don't think he has the range of passing. And I still think he's quite an instinctive player. But I, I think he's had, a, he's had a decent enough season for someone who's come through a World Cup and everything else. Five goals, three assists is, is, is really low compared to what we're used to him. But that's, I think that's definitely injuries and playing deeper. But um, I, don't, I don't think he's going anywhere this summer, which is a great thing.
0: And Nathan, what are your expectations for him next season?
1: Yeah, hopefully he, he... Consistently plays further forward which shoots him more. It's good that he's added that sort of string to his bow and he's helped us out in times of needs and all of the rest of it. Um but yeah, as well as developing in his ability to play deeper, he's also developed in terms of creativity and he's also developed in terms of his um ability in pressing. Not that he was ever, you know, bad in the area before. Um he's he's the boss man, he's so fucking good. He's yeah, he's brilliant and I I look forward to have him having a, a complete season next season.
0: So you mentioned the uh, the P word there. Um, one of our best pressing attacking midfielders is Eric Lamella, who we've spoken about in quite a lot of detail already in the past few podcasts. So I'm not going to link on him too long. But um, Bardi, he's one you'd like to set free. I like Eric
2: Lamella as a footballer, but I don't think as, as a human specimen, he's capable to be a, um, a squad player because he's con- constantly injured. When he comes on, like he did against Ajax, um, like he had moments against Everton, he's he's a perfectly fine squad player who I'd like to keep, but I think we can't continue to rely on somebody who's constantly injured.
0: Yeah, we will probably keep Lucas, who at one point in the season was looking like someone who could be could be moved on. Nathan, I assume that's massively changed for you now.
1: <laughs> I'm still not his biggest fan and this is terrible uh, PR timing on my end, but um you yeah, know, look, um I, the the biggest argument in his favour is that we've miscategorised him here and for Pochettino, he's now a forward. Um, I don't know how it is that Pochettino managed to look at this sort of um, winger with dodgy decision-making but a great turn of direction and said, yeah, this is my centre-forward and I'm going to play him up front ahead of Son. Um, but it, it really looks like it's working right now. Um, yeah, again, I'm not personally his biggest fan um, but he's certainly proven his worth and his, his reason to stay in the squad for, for the time being.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a very fair summary. He's, um, again, an imperfect footballer, but there are, there's enough there to, to to keep him about and to work on. And I, I still feel like Poch could take him up another level in terms of what, what yeah. he does in the box. Um, I mean, we, we could talk about GK and Kudu, uh, but let's not. He's he's going to go, surely. His, he's um, go.
2: his one assist, though,
0: ended up being a massive assist. <laughs> yeah, great ball. Hmm. Can't argue with that, but he, tell, <laughs> tell me he's leaving.
1: On assists and expected assists per ninety, he's the greatest player who's ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> he's putting up eighteen expected assists per ninety. Do you know that? We can't compete with that.
2: I don't know. Do you guys remember who did we play after Fulham? Was it Southampton? Anyway, he he, he came on against Fulham, got the assist, and all of a sudden it was just like, oh my god, Pochettino's Pochettino's <laughs> done it again. And, and then he, I think he's he came on the second league game and it was just like ah uh, no it was, just, it was it was just an anomaly get rid <laughs> no it was no, I think it was crystal palace he, when he he started against crystal palace and he he looked like a little boy and he was completely lost he needs he needs to go because it's not fair on on him as a human being trying trying to play premier league football <laughs> he's he's clearly not up to the
0: task he's 24 for god's sake <laughs> find him a home someone find him a home um let's talk about our strikers we've got some Decisions to make, I think. Uh obviously Harry Kane will stay and I, I thought he had a, a good season, but not a great season and a mixed season, really some of his passing in some of the games around Christmas was just absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, we were sort of started to talk about his adaptation to, uh, nine and a half, ten, um, as a player. And that was exciting, but then he got this injury and it kind of knocked everything back. And, you know, we, we're left thinking when was the last time Harry Kane consistently played well for us? Um, I mean, I love the guy. I, I, I He's my favourite favorite Spurs player of all time. I think he's magnificent. But I just want him to have a season of being fully fit. Um, but obviously he's staying. Uh, we've then got a big decision to make. Fernando Llorente. Nathan, stay or go?
1: Um, oh God, I don't know. Okay, uh, I don't know what his wages are. To be fair, I think that would play a huge because obviously he's sort of been around the world of football and he's he's had some some decent pay packages at other clubs. So I don't know what kind of cut he may have taken to go to Swansea first and then to come to here. Um, but I would definitely consider it. I think that as we touched on earlier with Lucas and also his son, <laughs> let's take another step back. People are really keen for us to sign a backup centre forwards and. Is probably not the biggest priority because we've looked over the rest of the squads, um, and it's as we've also found out really hard to get someone to come in to be second choice be- behind Harry Kane and to be good when they play. Lorente has very recently, very clearly proven what he can do, which is his ability in the air. If you gi- if you take that as a given, and then look at our options with Lucas and Son, maybe you probably just keep our forwards as they are. the 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 only other argument is that if you think that Kane is down to twenty games a season, then it's then it's more urgent.
0: Bardi, are you you pretty much in agreement with that? Um, No, I think Llorente needs
2: to go because (laughs) (laughs) his... We're looking at Premier League here. We're discussing the Premier League, and okay. I'm going I'm to set aside all the emotion and everything else that he did in the Champions League, which is a different style of football. In the Premier League, I don't think he's been he's he's been that useful. One goal, four assists. I think maybe most of them were against Watford. I just I just don't think he offers us enough. And there has to be a a prospect, a a player. I'm I, the first name that comes into my head is a is a Tammy Abraham type of player. Oh, Someone who's yes who needs to learn, who's willing to, to work alongside Kane, knowing in in effect that you're you're going to get games because Kane now for a few years in a row has been unable to stay fit for the whole season. So there there's appearances to be made. There's Champions League, there's Premier League. I think we need to put Llorente aside. Thank you very much for your, all your contributions, but we need to start thinking bigger than, than Llorente.
1: You've won me round, buddy, especially by <laughs> suggesting Tammy Abraham or I adore. But yeah, yeah, no, we've got to think bigger than Llorente. You're right.
0: And I was going... Going to make a case for Lorente based solely on his Champions League performances, but you're you're right. Let's let's go full Drogon on Laurenti and Vincent Janssen. <laughs> well, you got you got to remember Peter
2: Crouch was an, a, a really effective Champions League footballer, but he wasn't that effective in the Premier
0: League. It's it's different
2: there, and I don't think it's worth keeping Lorente around just
0: for Plan B in the Champions League. Okay, let's let's finish by saying some nice things about Min Son, who for me was our player of the season. I thought um, Son carried us through a, 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 a long stretch of games where he was a match winner. He was scoring with his left foot, he was scoring with his right foot, he was scoring from inside the box, he was scoring from outside the box. And he was getting us off our seats every time we got the ball. Now, he ended the season poorly, and I think that's had a bit of an impact on the perception of his year as a whole. But for me, he really went up a level this year, and we got uh, better performances out of him. And I think he the, the main thing with Son is he played too many games, not for Spurs necessarily, mm. but for Spurs and for South Korea uh, combined. And I think if we can better manage the number of minutes his legs take next year. I honestly think he could be our star man. And I think he is uh, an absolute treasure to have in our squad. And I I, I just love Youngman Son. Nathan, how do you feel about Son's season and um, what next year could hold for him?
1: Yeah, I think I think you 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 said it really well there. He's always been a player who sort of has on periods and off periods, and that's fine. We accept that, you know, that's just the player he is. Um, I think he's a good shout for player of the season. I would probably go with Tongan over him, but I think it's it's close. Um, yeah, he's had a brilliant season, even if he doesn't feel like it over the last couple of weeks.
0: And Bardy, son, for you, how how do you feel about him?
2: Oh, he's, he's a he's a lovely footballer. Um, I'm very happy with his season. As you said, he's he's turned into a match winner. He gives us something which none of our other strikers have really. Um, he you know he, he's dangerous off either foot and he scores big goals and. I do think the last couple of weeks after the um, Man City away game and then getting sent off in Bournemouth and then missing suspensions, I, I do think that's had a kind of knock-on effect but he did have a great season. I still would have gone to Soko as my player of the year but uh, he's a brilliant player and um, yeah, you're right, we need to manage his game time a little bit better and hopefully hopefully, he's got the summer off. I don't think South Korea are doing anything this, this summer anyway.
0: And let's finish with our f- final thoughts on the season. So we'll start with Bardi. Yeah,
2: I, I I think for us, Champions League qualification was the most important thing to do. Putting aside our Champions League final appearances, that's an added bonus. I think the key thing was to get this squad, manage this squad through the season. It's been a tough year with World Cup, Stadium and everything else, not signing any players. So... Getting in the Champions League and now being able to relax, putting putting aside the way the narrative. Can, I mean, can you imagine if we'd finished fifth? There would yeah. be everybody would be talking about Dele Alli's going, this guy's going, everyone's going. We've got um we've got something to to look forward to next year, and we've got something to build upon. It wasn't great, but it was it was good enough.
0: Just getting the job done, basically.
2: Exactly, and then next year, right from the go, new stadium and everything else, Let's push on from there with some new players.
0: And Nathan, how about you?
1: Uh, my takeaway from the season is that Pochino you know, is even better than I thought he was. He really is magic, you know. Um, yeah, this squad is an abomination. I think we would have had a miserable, miserable season under any of our previous managers for the last, you know, twenty, thirty years, whatever. Um yeah, Pochino, you know, incredible.
0: So I'm going to slightly disagree with that. Um, and I, I think he needs to be seen as wonderful in terms of his coaching and the, the performances he can get out of a, a set of players who, like you say, are not nowhere near as good as he's made them seem. Uh, but I also think he needs to take responsibility for that because he's not just a head coach now. He's our manager. He's in charge, ultimately, of, of shaping the squad. And I think... I hope he's learned a lesson from this year because he chose not to sign players. We could have signed players and he chose not to. um, And I refuse to believe otherwise. And if he's not going to sign players, then he needs to at least develop players from within the youth team to become viable options. And he's just... He's just got us to fourth. Um, he's amazing in terms of what he can do on the coaching field, what he can do even... I think he's developed as a, a manager during games. I think he has. he's genuinely changed a couple of games this year in our favour, which has been wonderful to see. But I really hope he's learned his lesson and that he'll go into the transfer market and, and take control of rebuilding this squad for next season.
2: Do you think it was perhaps arrogance on his part to think he could manage this squad through that? Is that, is that why
0: he opted not to buy any players or sign anybody on loan? Uh, I think partly arrogance. I think partly stubbornness. I think um, I don't know. I, I I get that Daniel Levy is difficult and he probably has limits on what he'll pay for certain players. But I absolutely refuse to believe that we weren't willing to sign anyone. I think Jack Grealish could have, is one example that we could have gone for. And maybe Poch just said, you know, he's not he's good, but he's not that good. But actually, Grealish should have been really helpful this year, as it turned out. Um, I think he's got into a bit of a pickle with his fullbacks. I think he's got into a pickle with his central midfield, and and really that's on Poch. So yes, I think he's wonderful. I think he's the best manager in my lifetime. I think you know the fact that he's got us into the Champions League final is absolutely unbelievable. But I hope he's learned his lesson and that he learns that the squad is his responsibility ultimately, and he needs to he needs to reshape it for next year because I don't think we'll finish fourth next year if we don't sign any players this summer, mm-hmm. particularly if Eriksson and Alavero. Sorry to be negative. That feels like a very negative ending to a positive <laughs> pod because actually you know he's great. I love. I love almost everything about the man and uh, the fact that he's got us into the Champions League final is unbelievable Um, but yeah just bringing some realness there reminds Uh, me
1: of Game of Thrones a really strong beginning and a terrible ending
0: yeah (laughs) yeah maybe yeah have you seen the uh, the meme where uh, there's a there's a drawing of a horse and then uh, season 8 is just a drawing of a dick (laughs) (laughs) I'm a dick I'm behind the, the dick here uh, let's end it there Bardi lovely to speak to you my no wise Chris thank you very much and Nathan nice we'll one back. mate we'll be back very soon to talk about the Champions League <laughs> we'll talk about the Champions League we're going to talk about Tottenham Hotspur being the Champions League imagine. final
1: <laughs> what
0: world are we living in
1: it's crazy man can you that imagine that? Soon? there's
0: going to be
2: like um like little hut somewhere where there's like thirty people gathered around this tiny little TV to watch the Champions League final, and they're like, "Who's playing?" it like Tottenham. They're like, "Who?" Mm. You, know, you know how they always show this—the World Cup or the finals—being streamed everywhere around the world. There's going to be people looking at our team, going, "Who are who are these? What's that? What's this team with their funny name?" It's going to be great.
1: Imagine if we win. Imagine. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, boys! It's been a
0: pleasure. <laughs> bye, bye. Until next time, <laughs> it's the fight It's the fly in. Clock. It's the fly in. It's the fly in.
2: Clock. Oh, that was really interesting, mate. Yeah.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.